Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Welcome, everyone, to a brand new episode of On Call with KB. I'm your host, KB, and we have a delightful segment today where we are going to give you the tea all on season two, episode 18 of Grey's Anatomy called Yesterday with my iHeart Next Up cohort colleague and just a divine human being who understands truly what it means to walk through life with purpose and intentionality. And she's just a gem and a delight. So please welcome Priyanka. Oh my gosh, KB, that was so sweet. That was so sweet. Thank you so much. Um, Okay, well, I am smiling like a goofball, uh, (laughs) but a little (laughs) flustered, but it's, it's really nice to be here. And I am really happy to be able to talk to a fellow super fan about this because as you said, it it is a cult. Like I am I am completely <laughs> caught up on the entire show. I literally watched the like the newest release the other day and then I watched the episode that we're going to be talking about and I was like, "Oh, they've got me. Like I'm going to follow <laughs> this world for as long as it makes sense." I mean, for me it stopped making sense, but I'm still going <laughs> to keep going. So before we dive in, you know, Priyanka, where were you when you first fell in love with Grays? And when did you realize like you were going to be a lifer in the in the Grays cult? Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I was in college. I was in my sophomore year, maybe junior year. I can't remember. It was a couple seasons in and I was just looking for a show to watch. I can't even remember like what streaming platform or anything like that. I was like, okay, you know what? I'm going to give this a try. And I was immediately hooked on it just from the simple fact that it is a sexy drama. Like it's it's literally <laughs> just hot people who are in this really 
mysterious and alluring professions such as like being a surgeon, right? And they have all these just wild personal lives. And I think, you know, that's that's like the show still to this day. And for me, this is kind of I don't always volunteer this information. So I really appreciate you, KB, for inviting me on because I don't really get a chance to talk about this a lot. Um, But during Mm -hmm. that time in my life, my dad had actually he was in the hospital. He had had a really bad accident at work. And so, yeah. And so he was in the hospital for a really long time. His recovery was really long. And I don't know if when I was making that choice to watch Grey's Anatomy, it was like a conscious decision to watch a medical drama, even though like I was having this medical emergency happening in my life. I think as I reflected over the years, like there's definitely something there. Um, And then, yeah, I got Mm -hmm. hooked on for the simple fact that like it was just fun to watch. And then I realized that what this show is doing is world building, right? Like we are getting invested in these characters and their lives and the relationships in between them. But also there's this real human element to all of it, right? Like these characters are really messy. And also I think this episode that we're going to talk about really highlights that sometimes like things just don't work out. And thinking back on that time in my life, thinking back on what was happening with my dad's accident, I think I needed that passive affirmation that even though life can be totally shit, there is always an opportunity to reflect. And I think that Mm -hmm. that's something that that show has done really well over the years. Oh, well, thank you for sharing. And I am glad that your your dad is doing much better now, but, you know, very sorry that that had to happen. Um, Now, this episode is a relationship heavy one. I mean, like Burke is really Mm -hmm. upset with Christina because she essentially lied about keeping her apartment. Um, Alex and Izzy are just having sex, but like Alex often pretends like he doesn't have emotions or feelings. And this is one of those episodes where, you know, he's doing that. Uh, George, George is a sweetheart, but I often find that he is kind of oblivious to other signals that people give. And Meredith essentially ignores him all the time. She, she's actually not like, (laughs) she doesn't pay attention to him often. And I'm kind of like, I think that's your answer, George. Um, And Mark, Mark comes in, you know, being um, the hot plastic surgeon. And really, he's just there because he's heartbroken. And he loves Addison. And she left. And she hasn't come back to New York because she's trying to save her marriage to Derek, which he's like, it's over. It's over. So what was your kind of favorite relationship-driven scene this episode? And whose character relationship drama made you cringe the most? Because it's definitely George for me. Yeah. So for me, what was so sad about seeing George pining over Meredith is that at this point, I have gone through therapy and I have made peace with all the times I have pined over someone who has no interest in having a consistent relationship with me, right? Like I've been there, I've been on the other side of that. And it took some like deep internal work to realize that I was just chasing myself. Like I was just trying to fill a void within myself by trying to exert control over a situation that I wasn't seeing clearly. Like that's to me what's really happening there. And I think that it's so easy to put expectations on people that we think we know 
And maybe we do know, like, in one capacity. But to be romantically involved with someone is a completely different relationship. And I think, like, that to me is also why the whole George Meredith situation is cringe is because it's, like, it's it's just two humans who are not coming from a place of unconventional love or anything like that. Like, this is literally just a pattern of people who have unprocessed feelings about other things and then being in the wrong place at the wrong time for each other. Yeah, I mean, like Meredith is not dealing with her trauma, which she does consistently on the show for the first few seasons. And George has his own trauma from being legitimately run over by his family. I mean, his family just treats him so poorly, which we find out kind of in later seasons. And that's part of the reason why he's not picking up on this cue with Meredith, right? Mm -hmm. Like, so many people treat him poorly in his life. And he's just kind of used to that behavior. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I do kind of find that, like, everyone is kind of so wrapped up in themselves in this episode Mm -hmm. that they're not able to focus on what the other person is thinking, except maybe Christina. And I only say that because by the end of the episode, she's willing to give up her apartment and start fresh and start to like truly trust him in love. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a huge, huge, huge distinction for me about Christina from all the other characters is like, yes, like she is also very emotional and has really like reactionary behavior, But at the end of the day, like there is something I think to be said about being able to see things from a logical point of view, right? And I think with Christina, like her ability to shut down her emotions at times actually in this episode is what allowed her to see things from a different perspective. Because at the end of the day, like if you can put your emotions on the side, it doesn't mean that you're neglecting them. It just means that you're you're taking up less space. And I think that that's something that Christina can do given that she does control her emotions in that way, good and bad. Mm. Mm. And what's coming up for me right now is, uh, so I'm, I'm queer and I have been in polyamorous relationships before. I have mm-hmm. been the primary partner. I have not been the primary partner. I am currently in a monogamous relationship, but I'm thinking about how communication or lack thereof happens yep. in this episode. Yep. And with some of the characters, the the dirty mistresses, if you will, um, are very direct in their communication and in their nonverbal communication as well. And then I think what's interesting is that you see how those channels of communication are completely mismatched. And I... I think that that type of tug and pull also creates a type of, I don't know, like, do I want to use the word attraction? I guess. Yeah. Like, I think it does create some sort of attraction for the people receiving it that maybe feels a little bit addicting, especially in the chaotic environment that they have to thrive in. Mm. Yeah, you know, I think it's true. Like, Mark is actually quite direct in his communication style. And I did find myself feeling bad for Mark because he says in the show that he lost everything while the two of them still have it. And it's true. He lost his best friend because what did Derek do instead of addressing this head on? He moved to Seattle. Like, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. okay. 
what does Addison do? She stays with Mark for a little bit, then says, okay, I'm going to try to fix my marriage. She moves to Seattle. Like, Mark is in New York City by himself, the only one willing to communicate and talk through any of this. And the people that he needs to have these conversations with literally ghosted him. Like, yeah. So I just, um, I just think it's, it's complicated, but you're right. And I think that's why Mark is so refreshing, honestly, because he's like, I just need you to take the emotion out of it and just look at it for what it is. Derek moved to Seattle. He's also not even talking to you right now. And y'all still live, y'all live in the same house. Like, he's like, if he's not willing to do it, then you should be thinking about yourself and what it is that you want. Because Derek is thinking of himself in this moment as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's talk a little bit about end of life because uh, one thing I do adore about Grey's are the parallels. And, you know, Meredith has this patient who has a tumor. And so he is just letting it rip with these videos. (laughs) He is telling everyone in his life how much he hates everything that they did. He's not holding anything back. And, you know, he's literally dropping like truth bomb after truth bomb because he thinks he's dying. But when he's cured and they cure him, he still wants to send the tapes because he said he doesn't want to live life holding it all in. And I think that like Meredith does this consistently on the show. Well, at this stage, right? She holds everything in. She doesn't really actually say what she means or feels 90% of the time. She talks about what's acceptable. And I think a lot of that has to do with her relationship with her mom. She doesn't have the freedom to just kind of speak her truth. She's so caught in her own head about being perfect at everything, doing things a certain way, getting her mother's approval that she's not doing it. And so she learns a lesson from this man who is no longer dying, but still has the balls to be like, I'm still sending them anyway that girl, you need to start doing this. And so that kind of catapults her to going to see her father. But even what we see when she sees her father is that she still can't even be truthful with him, right? Like she can only kind of allow herself that kind of halfway mark of saying something, but she doesn't even say everything that she's feeling. And so I'm like, I don't know, would you take this approach in life? Would you ever do something like this? the end of at the end of life just be like listen I'm going to tell everyone everything I've ever felt about them I in the past few years have made a very concentrated effort to be as vulnerable as I can be with the people in my life specifically Mm -hmm. because I don't like having unresolved feelings Mm. um that stems from my my own trauma but it, it actually like plays out in a like an inverse way to Meredith's trauma where Meredith freezes up as we see. Um, and in the newer episodes too, it's interesting. Like I'm what's coming up for me is just thinking about her like current love interest and how she's playing that situation out at times and how mm-hmm. it really does mirror these, you know, patterns of behavior where it's hard for her to freely express how she's feeling. And for me growing up, I had parents that were not as emotionally communicative as maybe like what I wanted or needed as a child. And through all of that, I have developed a very earnest need to have that emotional verbal communication with people because it was something that was like really lacking for me growing up. So the way that it's manifested now is boundary setting, basically. And I think that that's 
something that Meredith is having a really hard time with, like boundaries for herself, boundaries for her like romantic situations. And I think in that scene where she visits Thatcher and his response is like, not like dismissive per se, but very much like, what do you need from me now? Like, I'm not going to have this conversation with you. Like, that's a very clear boundary. No one is saying that it's even an empathetic one or one that's like appropriate for the hurt that your daughter is clearly facing in the moment, right? Like, that's not what I'm saying. But what do you do when you don't have that strong sense of self and you're being met with someone that you want something from, but they're not going to be able to give it to you? Like, that's the reality is that she has to find that acceptance herself. And I Mm -hmm. think she really wants to, but we can tell that like she's not there yet. And also, you know, it's hard because a lot of this trauma is from Meredith's early childhood. And there's a lot of things that Thatcher is saying without saying in that scene. And a lot of it is, Mm -hmm. I can't go back and change the decisions that I made. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I think that's also why he, he really like leans into what can I do now? So there's nothing that I can do to change it. I can be as apologetic as I want to be now or as you need me to be now, but it won't change how things played out. And it won't change kind of the other additional layers um, of trauma that came, you know, by her mother's hands because her mother was also um, going through a lot. And when, you know, Richard ended their affair and how distant her mother was. And now, you know, we know when her mom had Maggie and gave her up for adoption, there was also a lot of other things happening with her mother too, that she wasn't even conscious or aware of that were impacting her day-to-day life. And so it's just one of those things with Thatcher that you can see the you can see the regret in his eyes, but you can also see him being like, I don't know what else to do. Yeah. But um, you know, that's not really the only parallel. Obviously, Izzy is having the best sex of her life right now with Alex. And so she's finding it hard to create a boundary. Um, but she's trying very hard to make it seem like she doesn't. And then her patient comes in and is having these spontaneous orgasms where she wants those to stop so she can do normal things and not have to, you know, be worried about whether or not an orgasm is going to arise. So did you really feel like this was a realistic case for the show? And was this the case that interested you the most? Like, was it realistic from a medical perspective as someone who is not in healthcare? As someone not in healthcare, I, I have recently found out unfortunately, but recently, that there are different types of orgasms, like different. Yeah. And so like, that's something and you know, this, this is a whole different podcast, but like the patriarchy and what we learn in school and women's reproductive rights and femmes and how we're represented in culture, like, you and I could go on and on. But again, that's beyond the scope of our conversation today. So with that being said, like, I think that these events that occur in our body are super mysterious. And I think that, yes, sure, it's unique and quirky and like fun for the show. But I have no doubt that somewhere someone in this world has had something similar where they have had their body just like operating in a way that completely deters their quality of life. 
Mm-hmm. I felt bad for her immediately. Yeah. And also because they called her father, which is like, okay, mm-hmm. this is the person that I want here the least in this moment is what she's saying. And I get it. Like, he's just coming as a parent, like, oh, you were in a car accident. And she is like, I caused the car accident. But <laughs> you're right. I mean, like, there are a lot of different types of orgasms. And what we see from Izzy is that she's having so much fun having kind of these like new experiences with her body with Alex that she's kind of insensitive to this woman in the beginning. Like, how -hmm. could you not love this? And it's not until she says, "Um, I'd actually like to go to church with my parents. I'd like to go to the grocery store. I'd like to go see a movie. Like when you start thinking about how out of control she really is and how she just wants to have a semblance of a a regular kind of normal life and then be able Mm -hmm. to control when she has these orgasms. It's like, oh, I feel very bad for her. I also kind of found that it it looked like it was taking the joy out of her life almost Mm -hmm. and the joy out of having an orgasm because she was just like, I'm sick of this. (laughs) Like, truly, I don't want to do this again. And it's like, oh, no, you know? Yeah. And I think too, um, sex is still such a taboo topic. It's definitely changed uh, over the years, as does like any cultural movement. But the humor of the experience of having an orgasm like in public like that, it was something that that sounds like deeply, 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 deeply uncomfortable. Like I can't imagine like going through something that I cannot one control, but two, like having people's reactions to it is like that type of quality of life is what makes people isolate. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, how like depression happens and all of that. Mm, you're right. I mean, obviously by the end of the episode, you know, they are able to find a, a solution and a treatment plan for her that works for her. But if they didn't, you're right it's a lot. So I did feel really, really bad for her. But otherwise, uh, who's your favorite character this episode? Mm, This is a hard one. I am going back and forth between Mark and Dr. Weber. And I think I'm going to go with Dr. Weber just because Mm. we haven't really talked as much about him and his, his appearances on this episode, like, you know, He's he's not the main character of this, but the times that he is on screen, I think, speaks volumes to the dynamics at play. Um, at one moment, he's like very, very professional as, you know, his like demeanor around how seriously he takes the profession. But then other times we really see him being the adult, the authority figure who's still also doing shitty things. Like, yep. he is still lying, right, to Meredith at this point. And also, it is, I think, like, deeply inappropriate to, to like, call a colleague a jackass in the <laughs> name of, like, your friend that that you work with, even though you're the boss. Like, I get it. And I understand, again, like that's part of the drama of the show. But every scene that Dr. Weber was on, I just thought was like a very interesting, like foreshadowing of what's to happen. Oh, I found him to be a complete liar in so many ways, right? (laughs) In this episode. Yeah. 
I was like, you are praising Derek for hitting Mark when you can't even be forthcoming to Meredith about your affair that happened, what, is it like 30 years, 20 years, however many years ago? And then also, how dare you say, oh, I'm so glad you put your weight behind it, Derek, when like- Right, right. When when you had this affair, did did you want Thatcher to put some weight behind a punch to you too? I mean, like, what is it? Like- so, trauma. yes, violence I find, and trauma. <laughs> yes. And he's out here just stirring up more drama and there's lies at every turn. And in my personal opinion, Weber thinks he's a good guy, right? Yeah. Yeah. And he's yeah, yeah, yeah. lying to almost everyone. He's wearing a mask, so to speak, mm-hmm, in this mm-hmm. episode with everyone that he is engaging with, in my personal opinion, until it's not until he gets to Ellis and he sees her that, you know, obviously he takes the mask off and he's like, okay, well, I think Meredith knows. But it's also like, Richard, the stand-up thing to do would have been to tell her as soon as you found out. Mm-hmm. Because as soon as you found out that she was in this program and she was, you know, coming to Seattle Grace and she was going to be your intern, you could have pulled her to the side then and said, listen, something that you need to know, I, you know, worked with your mother. We had a romantic affair. I do not want that to impact X, Y, and Z. But instead you're hiding it for years, essentially, until, you know, it all implodes. And so I'm like, Richard, Mm -mm. So for me, I'm definitely going with Mark. And that's just because he is a breath of fresh honesty that Mm -hmm. Seattle Grace kind of needs at this time. Mark is who he is, and he may be arrogant, but he is a brilliant surgeon, which he can back up. He does have a kind heart if people like, you know, get to know him. And he is just very honest about what it is that he wants. And I like the fact that he is unapologetic about it. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, listen, it's going to be Mark for me in this episode for sure. Um, But, you know, thank you so much for joining. I truly had a great time. This is a really good episode because I do think it it balanced kind of heavy relationship and trauma things with humor because, you know, they were trying to dabble in the humor with this woman with her spontaneous orgasms. They're trying to dabble in more humor with Izzy and Alex. But also just, I don't know, I feel like there are a lot of character shifts that happen in season two that I kind of miss in these later, um, you know, kind of seasons of the show that I really, really enjoyed watching. And so it was a delight to rewatch. But before we leave, I have to take this opportunity. You have to tell everyone about your upcoming iHeart show. Thank you, KB. Thank you so much for having me on. It's always fun to revisit, like you said, these older shows and compare and contrast. Um, um, so my my show is called We the Product, and it's slated to launch December 6th of this year across all streaming, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, it's about surveillance capitalism, which essentially talks about how we interact with technology via our personal information. And my podcast specifically looks at how that personal information of ours is categorized and stored mostly for advertisers. I also talk with my community members about what are the ramifications of our data that is being sold and transferred across all these businesses that are trying to sell us things. And what does it look like when our world is being built by algorithms? 
Mm. I cannot wait to listen. I mean, you know, when I first found out about your show, I was like, this is so intriguing because the way we use data now is just so ingrained in kind of our day to day. I mean, honestly, I don't Mm -hmm. even think that we are truly thinking about it. That's how much we use Mm -hmm. it, right? Like it is just happening to us uh, versus us taking kind of a more active participation in it, if that makes sense. Exactly. So um, I am super, super excited to hear, you know, your show once it launches. Cannot wait. So everyone, you know, December 6th, mark it on your calendars since that will be when the, it'll be when the first episode comes out, right? Not the trailer. Yeah, correct. Perfect. The first episode, yeah. Awesome. Can't wait. So yes, just thank you so much for joining On Call with KB. Can't wait to listen to your show. And now a quick break before we dive into our chat with our expert about this episode. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. The wait is over. The Shy returns May 10th on Paramount Plus and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash the shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S., That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash iHeart. That's LifeLock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. I am joined by the brilliant Dr. Caleb Jacobson. Welcome to On Call with KB. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure to be here and to talk about Grey's Anatomy. You know, everyone's watching Grey's Anatomy. So to finally get to talk about it, it's going to be pretty exciting. Listen, things are wild and Seattle Grace, uh, very, very wild, particularly in this episode. And I asked Dr. Jacobson to join today because of their expertise in clinical psychology and specifically sex therapy, because we are talking about a sexual disorder specifically in this episode. So you know what? I always ask every single guest that comes on, 
what their own personal relationship is with Grey's Anatomy. You know, when did you become a fan, if you are a fan, or was this the first episode you've watched? Because, you know, I will be honest, I have had experts on here that have never seen an episode until they decided to do the show. So it's really interesting to get different, you know, perspectives on how everyone came to be when it comes to Grey's Anatomy. All right, so cue the boo music. This is the first full episode I have ever seen of the show. But to be fair, let me tell you, to be fair, my mother was a big fan of the show. So I've known about, I mean, the show's been out forever, right? Like it's it's 19 seasons. I mean, that's, you know, half of my life almost. Uh, So it's, you know, I know the show. I know of the show. And uh, she watched it regularly. And, you know, I know a lot of people who've watched it. I've I've, I've heard about it. I've been around it. I've just never sat down and watched a full episode until you were kind enough to invite me on this great podcast. Oh, my goodness. So how did you feel about this episode? I mean, listen, give me some of your best highlights, character moments. Because, listen, you know about the show, but you're kind of getting into, like, a very juicy episode from a core relationship standpoint of these people. So, you know, what worked, what didn't work for you? Tell me all about it. So there's a lot going on, right? Like there's a lot with infidelity, not only among some of the doctors, but Meredith talking to her mother about her sex life. And that was very interesting to me is to see that that was the theme that they played on is parents and sex. So you have Meredith who, you know, she didn't like hearing her mother talk about her sex life. You have the girl who doesn't want her father. He's in the room while she's having her quote unquote episodes, feeling very uncomfortable. And it made me really think about how that really is a common theme. A lot of people have a lot of, um, they're not really comfortable expressing or talking about, even talking about sex with family. And so it was interesting to me that they included that in the episode. You know, it's wild, to be honest. One of the reasons why I fell in love with Grey's uh, is just because of the parallels that each episode holds. And you're mm. right, you know, this kind of theme of like parents and sex, family and sex, and then also just, you know, how we respond to sex when we have um, really kind of, I'd say traumatic things happen to us. And I'm speaking specifically um, about Derek in this instance, you know, him and his wife and how that trust is broken, not just between him and his wife, but him and his best friend and what that looks like for him because Derek is is very kind of closed off about it, even with Meredith. And he's not really allowing space for healing at all. Like what Derek actually needs is a therapist, yet he's not <laughs> going, which is so interesting to me. Uh, you know, here's this big hotshot neurosurgeon who is just focused on being a surgeon and he thinks he's okay. But really, any of them are thinking about having a future at all. They definitely need to see a a therapist for sure. Absolutely. And when you have a situation like you have in this episode where there is infidelity and there's broken trust, uh, you know, I know one point in the show, he tells Addison, he says, you know, your husband doesn't really want you back. He's just interested in his intern. You need to realize that. Um, It's hard to be vulnerable and open after that trust has been broken. Now, it's a lot of work. Can that be reestablished? Absolutely. If you put in the efforts and therapy is definitely the place to do that. Yeah, agreed. Okay. So my question for you really is, you know, kind of first, have you ever encountered just personally in your work, uh, persistent genital arousal disorder? Um, And if not, kind of what's the most common sexual case that you get 
to help treat and help people through. So I have not. And part of the reason is, is because it is such a rare disorder. Um, I think studies have shown that less than 1% of women worldwide likely have it. Um, so it's, it's very rare. Uh, I haven't had any clients who have presented with this. Um, and there's, there's reasons why the statistics are a little complicated because some people simply with all sexual issues don't like to talk to a physician, right? Like they're embarrassed. It's humiliating. They don't like to talk about sex. I always say sex and relationships are the source of some of our greatest joys and happiness in life, but they're also the source of some of our deepest pain and hurts and humiliation. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. The wait is over. The Shy returns May 10th on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. So people don't talk about those things. So I have never seen anyone with PGAD, but um, commonly I do see sexual dysfunctions for for women, for example. Um, It could be genital pelvic pain and penetration disorders, which is like painful sex, whether it's vaginismus or dyspareunia, something like this. Um, the inability to orgasm is frequent. Female arousal disorder, where, where women are unable to get aroused about sex whatsoever. This is common. With men, I see issues like erectile dysfunction and early ejaculation, delayed ejaculation. And uh, with couples, I see a lot of like mismatched desire where maybe one couple, one person in the, in, the, in the relationship wants to have sex more than the other or trying to navigate those issues. So those are all very common and often seen in, in therapy. I will say I also see a lot of religious clients. So that's mm-hmm. a fun thing to navigate is the intersection between sexuality and religion and how religious backgrounds influence their thoughts about sex and can even lead to certain sexual dysfunctions. Uh, and I see some more rare type sexual disorders like uh, minor attracted persons and things of that nature. Yeah, I mean, we we could talk all day about how religion has a play when it comes to 
um, shame and guilt for a lot of people when it comes to, you know, sexual desire and actually having sex and what that looks like for sure. So I am definitely sure that you have some uh, intriguing, intriguing clients in, in that regard. Um, so, um, you know, in this episode, you know, one of my biggest points of contention is that we really didn't know where this came from, but because the case that we're going to discuss, um, says that, you know, their PGAD, um, stemmed from sexual trauma, I want to talk about that uh, a little bit, um, you know, in a respectful context of course. So as a provider in sex therapy, how do you delicately handle patients whose sexual issues may stem from sexual trauma? So unfortunately, trauma affects so many people, right? Um, it impacts not only our self-esteem and the way that we view sex and intimacy, but trauma kind of affects and shapes the way that we view our world and how we form relationships with other people. And this could be very problematic, right? Um, there are two forms of therapy which are extremely effective with trauma, especially when that trauma leads to PTSD, such as EMDR, which is eye movement desensitization and reprocessing, and ART therapy, which is accelerated resolution therapy. These are both very effective ways to give the client some immediate relief. Also with trauma clients, somatic body work is also very helpful and introducing whether it's perhaps breathing exercises or movements. This is especially helpful when it's couples who come to therapy and there has been some area of trauma. And, you know, we all respond differently to trauma. So for some people, let's say there was a sexual trauma in their life, they may revert to um, being more sexually liberated and sexually active in a way to reclaim autonomy over their sexuality. They have feel that like they have control over their sexuality, whereas others respond differently. They may withdraw from sex altogether because it gives them a feeling of safety and security. So the goal then in therapy would be to help these clients to be able to connect with their partners in a way that they feel safe and that gives them some control over their sexuality and helps them connect in, with their partner in a way that doesn't trigger any of the past trauma. Right, which can be you know, very challenging to do um, and, and very hard, I, I imagine, just you know, kind of uh, being able to kind of navigate that with your partner and then, of course, you know, managing your own healing um, from the sexual trauma. Absolutely. Yeah. And so something that, you know, I found when I was researching the persistent genital arousal disorder, um, I did find a case in the Indian Journal of Psychiatry that deals specifically with a woman who had unfortunately gone through um, very harrowing sexual trauma as a child and who in adulthood was starting to have spontaneous orgasms or PGAD, of course, in the absence of any form of sexual arousal. So, you know, the article really dove into how she was on citalopram, um, which is widely used in the treatment of depression. And she was using that to be able to treat and help manage her PGAD. But it wasn't until she started taking less of the medication, which um, come to find out was actually an accident and an oversight um, that was the result of another like physical medical trauma. She was in an accident, something happened to her. And as her body physically needed to heal, they took her off of the meds. And so that's when her spontaneous orgasm started to come back. So since she was a, a child sex abuse survivor, they mentioned that her 
PCAD was often manifested alongside deep feelings of anger. So when it comes to this case and the unfortunate kind of trauma that seemed to trigger it, what additional insight or context um, do you have or, or want to provide? Because this was a very interesting case to go through. And, and also something to mention is, you know, not only had she gone through um, that physical trauma in, in the sense that like she was in physical accident, but she also went through a, a divorce. She started to see her son a bit less because of that divorce. And so kind of all of these things that are happening to her um, kind of externally also impacted her internally. And that's when those, you know, spontaneous orgasms started to come to the surface again. So what's really fascinating about that article, it really demonstrates how little we know about this disorder. So as you mentioned, she was on Sletopram, which I think in the U.S. it's um, Selexa is the brand name. Um and which is an SSRI, right? This is a selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor. And for a lot of people, taking an SSRI does really impact their sex drive negatively. So they have less desire for sex. Their body doesn't necessarily respond as it normally would. They have much more difficulties having orgasm. What's fascinating is in this case, and there have been other examples where people who have stopped taking SSRIs for depression have reported PGAD. And so it kind of makes sense, right? So one of the possible treatments then would be to give them an SSRI, which dampers their sex drive and libido and their ability to have orgasm. What that tells me then is that it really isn't doing away with the PGAD. It's just kind of masking and covering it up. Kind of like Viagra or Cialis does with erectile dysfunction. It doesn't clear up the blockages that a man may have that's having causing him difficulty to have erections. It's just kind of covering it up and giving them relief from what they feel the, the issue is. You mentioned the uh, manifestations of, of anger, those feelings of anger she has. And, and that makes a lot of sense since that one of the treatments uh, for PGAD then would be to therapeutically, like CBT, I believe is kind of effective, um, which is cognitive behavioral therapy. This is very helpful. I know some people have, you know, done distraction techniques as well and helping to overcome this. I also know that others have gone to like pelvic floor specialists um, because a lot of clients who have PGAD, they complain of feelings of pressure in the genital area, obviously, like you would have when you are about to experience an orgasm. You feel your muscles start to tense up. And, you know, I mean, can you imagine that over and over again throughout the day without any type of relief? I mean, it's, it's horrible feeling, right? So a pelvic floor specialist could be very helpful in helping the client to learn ways to relax their pelvic floor muscles so that they're not as tense and don't end up having an orgasm. So yeah, there's several different treatments for this and several different causes for this. And I always find it interesting when there is an intersection between the cause and the treatment, um, how sometimes medication, for example, like we discussed, can be used to 
treat the disorder, but can also be used to cause the disorder. Right. And that's something interesting, too, that was mentioned in this episode. You know, Pamela's main concern when they finally were about to take her into surgery was whether or not she would be able to have orgasms on her own when she wanted to, you know, as opposed to, like you said, having this this pressure and no relief and also having this kind of embarrassment and shame around it because she's in public you know, she's, she's around family, she's around friends, she's in college. So she's literally, you know, sitting in her classes in university, and she can't control this. And she doesn't have the ability to control the environment that she's in, or what's happening to her. And so she wanted to know, well, you know, will I still be able to have this on my own terms, so to speak. But um, you would know better than I in terms of if there are other medications that are not SSRIs that, you know, could still be used to help aid in this, I mean, I, I guess because they're so little known, and you know, you were saying it's probably less than one percent of women in the world um, have this. But hopefully, there are other medications that are able to kind of suppress the spontaneous orgasm portion, but still allow women, you know, to Pamela's point, to have the orgasms that they desire, but you know, without the side effects of having, you know, no sexual desire whatsoever. Yeah. So unfortunately. <laughs> Fortunately, there are other medications. Unfortunately, uh, these medications do sometimes come with side effects. Like, for example, antipsychotic drugs can be used for this. But as if you've ever known anyone who's been on an antipsychotic drug, I mean, this this changes the way that they even feel like if their world is reality or not, right? Like mood stabilizers and even drugs for like nerve pain. So it lessens the sensation. Um, but I would say all of them probably have an adverse effect on sexual functioning. And that's, that's really, that's really unfortunate. You know, um, you know, I wish there was something that would allow us to have the perfect balance, so to speak, you know, of, of all things. (laughs) So listen, I have to ask you finished your first full episode. Did you find this episode to be a realistic depiction of the disorder? And Will you be, I mean, you have to tell me, will you be watching others? I mean, I, I mostly want to know. <laughs> I, I would say that from my understanding of the disorder, that this client seemed to get relief after she had an orgasm. And clients with PGAD don't typically have any relief. Those contractions, I mean, it's an ongoing situation that isn't uh, satisfied once they reach orgasm. I mean, for listeners who are, tuning in who are trying to imagine that just think about it at night maybe before you're going to bed or during the day when you're really stressed out and you think oh I'll I'll masturbate or I'll have sex that'll relieve some stress and tension and you do because masturbation and sex does reduce stress and tension but imagine you do it and then that stress and tension's still there and it's not even relieved in any way it's it, this is very frustrating and so I I think that it didn't show the severity of the condition and didn't show the frustration. I mean, it talked about how it's a little bit uncomfortable, but it didn't really go into depth about how debilitating it could be for the client. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I definitely wanted to see more of that. I definitely needed to see more of, you know, how it was impacting her, especially you know, she's, she's young. She's a junior in college, they mentioned. And so I can yeah. imagine that had to have a huge impact on her. Um, you know, mentally and emotionally. And also, you know, it, it had to have create some some sort of tension 
um, with family members as well, because I'm sure she didn't really want to talk about it. Her parents probably wanted to make sure she was okay. You know, her father's there. I can't imagine. Well, let's be honest. Imagine being in college, junior in college, and you're having orgasms in the middle of the class. What is that doing to your social life in the right. year? I mean, I'm sure there's lots of guys who are like, whoa. But at the same time, it has to be really humiliating and uncomfortable you don't even want to go to class. So how is that affecting her class attendance? How is it affecting her grades? How is it affecting her social life? The anxiety and depression that that would, would come from that, none of that. I mean, overall, the girl seemed very adjusted and with, you know, a little shame about her father. That's That was kind of all. Yeah, a little too adjusted, maybe, for this, yeah. for this yeah, yeah. you know, for realism's sake. Um, so just thank you so much for joining the show. I had a great time. And before we leave, please, please just tell everyone um, that's listening about your podcast for sure. So my podcast is called Sex Therapy. It can be found anywhere. And listen, people are tuning in. That's the name of the show, right? People are are listening in on what's happening. So I'm going to tell you, since we're on call, I'm going to give you some information that even my own listeners don't know yet. And that is that I have a new podcast that will be coming out in January. And the new podcast is called Uncomplicated Sex. It's going to be a short 20-minute podcast. And we're just going to kind of make sex a lot more simple because I feel like in our world, people have overcomplicated sex and relationships and as I say, life is complicated. Your sex life shouldn't be. So they can definitely find that podcast anywhere. And they could also follow me on Instagram at Dr. Caleb Jacobson. And there's some great sex positive information and some advice on how to deal with sexual dysfunctions. There's some great stuff on how to correlate your religious beliefs with your sex life. There's all sorts of stuff happening over there. So they may find that interesting. And so I invite them to join me on Instagram and say hello. Uh, amazing. Well, listen, I cannot wait for this new show as well. Congratulations. Listen, you're right. Life is complicated in many forms. And if we can uncomplicate just a, a hint of something, that would be fantastic. So thank you again for joining On Call with KB and just all the success. I, I am so excited for you in this new show. Well, thank you so much for having me. This has been a lot of fun. Well, that's it for this episode of On Call with KB. Join us each and every Thursday for brand new episodes where I chat with an expert and a super fan about the science behind the scenes. Until then. Listen to On Call with KB on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. 
we went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details.